Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It is a low-key video game podcast, finally. And my name is Brendan Bigley. <laughs> I'm Stephen Hilger. Yeah, this feels truly like, I mean, we'll see what happens, <laughs> but this is truly the low-key episode. Yeah, it's possible that this audio just won't even work, but I'm hoping that it does. I'm very hopeful. This is a new setup for us, new in that Stephen is here. I'm here. In front of me. I bought some new handheld microphones. We are sitting on my deck, lit by some very nice lights. Yeah. Uh, we're in the twilight hours of the evening, a hot day in Brooklyn, New York. Mm -hmm. uh, this is maybe actually the first low-key episode. Yeah, other than the pressure of like holding the mic, which feels a little bit like, yeah. uh, you know, late night-esque, <laughs> stand-up-esque. <laughs> I think uh -huh. if we didn't have this responsibility, it would be too loose, you yeah. know? Loki has some structure. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I think I think if I didn't have to be cognizant of how far my mouth was from the top of the microphone. It would just be vowels the whole night. I, yeah, know? maybe even just me asleep. I would just, <laughs> I'd just be asleep So point. I think with that being said, I think this will be a pretty loose episode. We wanted to do something special because we essentially realized like, I came home visit my family, but also so we could record the DS episode in person. Yeah. And for that, we're going to be at AJ's and they have like an incredible setup. It's going to sound great. Yeah. If you listen to the uh, Goatee episode from the end of last year, same setup. Mm -hmm. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great energy. Yeah. Not that this isn't, but this is more like us realizing like, oh, we do need an episode for Wednesday. Yeah. Even though this weekend <laughs> is the big season premiere. Right. We need something. So it is, you know, even though we don't really do like anything. Vroom. Now that was low key. Dude, we're doing it live. Anything <laughs> can happen. The stars are all out tonight here on this red carpet. Even though we do we don't do anything like super concrete for like a finale <laughs> other than the game of the year, which is more the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to do something special because this is the last episode of season four, which was our biggest season. And I think yeah. we've realized due to the air table you made that we've done more <laughs> episodes every year. Every year, ac yeah. By accident. Yeah. Yeah. It was never, never a thing that we tried to do. I think, you know, as, as we mentioned a lot, like every year we definitely try and do something a little bit different than the year before. But this was, this was definitely the biggest year that we've had in just like even ideation i feel like yeah. you know we i feel like we just kind of like pushed at the edges of what we were used to um all year and uh it's been really cool honestly I, I was looking back at some of the bonus episodes we did this year too and like some like hugely influential video games that we played which i am really glad to have finally done yeah i think it's also been a really cool mix of like you know at least from my experience like stuff that we've been you know revisiting that yeah. like you or i will have like a very strong attachment to from the past and the stuff that like we haven't played yet like it's it's just been you know it's been really i'm just very i feel very grateful in this yeah. lovely summer day yeah yeah me too i was just thinking back so we, we've been doing for 2022 we've been doing this thing where we've been uh did we introduce ourselves <laughs> on this one I think I think we're so. We I don't think it matters. Yeah, you're yeah. right. It's the last episode. At of this point, four. you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm we'll, Steven, we'll nice reintroduce ourselves yeah. in, in the episode tomorrow. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> really silly. Anyway, I was just thinking back about uh, about the games we've been playing for 2022 uh, for the bonus episode specifically, like trying to play some of the best games of all time, quote unquote. Yeah, people, our games called that. Yeah, yeah um, which has been a really fun endeavor. But I, I love. I, I was just thinking back because I was like, hey, what a cool project this is. You know, just to be doing kind of on the side, and then. I was like, oh, yeah, we snuck Elden Ring in there, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every now and then a, a game demands an instant bonus. Yeah, yeah. From Scarlet Nexus to Elden Ring, you know? Yeah. And who knows? Maybe we'll get a Three Hopes one in there. Oh, yeah. Well, the we'll greatest game of all something. time. Yeah. Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. It's maybe the greatest game of all time. 
You, I'll go on record saying that. We, uh, we went out to lunch with a friend of the show, Alana Oaken, and, uh, and Brendan Klinkenberg today. Um, and just like halfway through the meal, Alana was just like, this game might be better than Three Houses. <laughs> and I feel like you and I needed to like sit in that for a second and think about it. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I stand by what I said about the demo last week, I think, or you know, recently, that like I don't think you can play Three Hopes without having played Three Houses. Yeah, I, I think agree. it will be meaningless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if you have played Three Houses, I think that there are a lot of things narratively and mechanically that are improvements. Yeah, like pr- pretty objectively, especially with the UI. That's like the big like mm-hmm. I feel safe saying the UI is better. <laughs> you know, because in Three Hopes you can change a character's class by going into the menu yes not going into like settings extras there's a secret menu to the left yeah, go there yeah, yeah. talk to Seth, <laughs> beg him for forgiveness you know it's a little bit more streamlined right right yeah so tomorrow is the premiere the big ds episode we've been preparing for for almost a year uh i know you wanted to like kind of share a little bit about the preparation for that or just about the ds in general yeah i don't know i, I just i just thought that'd be a fun thing to talk about yeah i mean we we decided on that I don't even know when. I guess I think it was like fall, probably. Yeah, it was the it was the end of last year. Yeah. So at least like seven months. Yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been like seven or eight months of of playing DS games. We had a realization the other day that we hit we played twice as many games for this bonus as we did for the Game Boy Advance bonus, which I went back and I really listened to again. And even for that one, you and I were like pretty loose about it. It was like we'll just see how many we can get through. You know, like see yeah. how many games we can check out. And I feel like. You know, for this, you and I had like a kind of floating list of games that I thought like between the two of us, we wanted to check out like at least like 70 ish games. Yeah. Um, And then for this one, we made a list of like 150 almost. Yeah. And we were like, we're both going to play all of them, which was like, we didn't need to do that. But I think we did it. I think unconsciously because the Game Boy Advance was like a big secret until we revealed it. That's a good point. Yeah. I think with the DS one, we've been public about it for a long time and also like. We've had the playlist available for people who want to like also play any of the yeah. games, or also like a lot of people like recommended stuff. And honestly, that was really appreciated because like yeah, anytime you cover like a systems library, it's almost a fool's errand <laughs> at a certain point. Which like right. don't get me wrong, it's been a great experience, and I'm really very excited for tomorrow. But like you know, it, it's such a wide library to cover. Yeah, you know, like even for Game of the Year episodes, which have the same structure. Like, we have the whole year to, like, enjoy that year's library. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot to condense into one period, but I think it's always helpful. Because, like, we do a pretty good amount of research to see, like, what are the hits of the console. But, you know, there's always something amiss. There's always going to be something that doesn't get enough attention. And, like, I think a big part of these retrospectives are, like, not going out of our way. Like, we, we choose a list of our ten favorite games. It's not always going to include, like, hidden gems. It might be, like, yeah. Mario. You know, like- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our, our top five, like, the, the show's top five last year for the Game Boy Advance was... Um, I, I forget the order, but Pokemon Emerald was in there. Mother 3 was in there. It was, I want to say, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, uh, and then two other Nintendo first-party games. Yeah. Which, like, you know, Nintendo made the best games on the Game Boy Advance is how it shook out, yeah, as it basically. turns out. It'll be nice to talk about the DS specifically, because that library is so filled with so much good third-party stuff. Thing, yeah, what I've been doing, you know, and I'll, we'll talk more about, like, the whole prep process tomorrow, but... um. What I have been doing is like, you know, choosing 10 games out of even the 150 that we played <laughs> is also a fool's errand. Many yeah. foolish errands yes. for the show. Yes. But I've been, even outside of like what makes my list or what makes honorable mentions or whatever, there have been like several games where I'm like, this may not m- make either, 
but I mm. want to go back to this. Like, I'm going to put a pin in this. Like, we have yeah. our, our whole lives to do this show. I, we can bring up any game whenever, as evan- <laughs> evidenced by us reviving the hype for the third age <laughs> a couple weeks ago. <laughs> um, so, like, you know, I'm like, okay, there are, like, a lot of DS games. And also, a lot of them are, like, pretty long. Like, there's a yeah. lot of, like, big RPGs on the system. So, right. there are a lot of games, like, if you are disappointed that maybe something doesn't show up tomorrow, like... I'm pretty certain if there's like intrigue around a game, one of us will bring it to the show at some point. Yeah, I was actually going to yeah. ask about that, and I'm, I'm glad you went there already. But I, I was going to ask if there are games that you're planning on going back to after this, because I have enjoyed so much the experience of having the Nintendo DS with me at all times. Yeah, for the past like almost a year, you know, like it's always in my backpack, it's always in my pocket if I don't have a backpack. Um, whenever I'm traveling around, I, I know I mentioned on the show recently that I usually have the Miu Mini with me in my pocket now when I'm like traveling around and doing stuff but I love this by the way this is like I is it the train that's the subway yeah hell yeah yeah I don't know if that's getting picked up by the mic but you can hear the the subways around here are above ground so it's very pleasant them. for me at least yeah uh, that's all that matters anyway um I've I've also pretty much had the DS with me the whole time so whenever I'm on the subway it's a, it's a choice between the Miu Mini or the DS and obviously recently it's been the DS but I really like that experience and I like I like having a handheld console be a handheld console, you know, I think, yeah. especially in comparison to the Switch, like, I don't consider the Switch to be a portable thing, really, unless I'm on, like, an airplane, you know, like, <laughs> this, the Switch right. is portable in so much that I can move from the television to my bed. It's portable if you're on an airplane and you've paid for extra room, <laughs> you know, if you've paid United Airlines yeah. for standard leg room, you can yeah. use the Switch. Or if you request the exit row. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Excuse me, I would love to help... Just in case something goes away. I'm playing the Three Hopes demo for the third time. Can I get the wing seat, please? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting, too. Like, <laughs> Game Boy Advance, I think, was shrouded with this, like, any game from that era kind of screams that range of years. Yeah. Like, late 90s, early 2000s. <laughs> and with the DS, like, you know, and again, I want to I save this a lot of this for tomorrow, but, like, the fact that the DS, in terms of just the hardware itself, and like me playing it and me thinking, like, what does a handheld mean to me? Yeah. When someone says like handheld systems, like, what do I think of? I really do think of the DS because like mm. the DS was active from 2004 to 2011, which is largely like high school and early college for me. Yeah. But then the 3DS, while it's, its own system, was essentially like the same hardware in terms of design. Totally, yeah. Games stopped being made for that in 2019. Mm-hmm. So pretty much for the past like two decades, <laughs> the Nintendo handheld has been that design. Yeah. So it's this kind of irony of like that has been the standard look. You know, having two screens, optional touch controls, all that is like kind of a given for Nintendo handhelds. But I imagine that that's just going to stop now. You know, like I don't know if like Nintendo has an interest in like continuing the DS line or just everything is switched now and there's going to be no more like separate handheld system. I'm really curious about that, like what the future of Nintendo handhelds are. Yeah, I feel like the Switch is so close to hitting some of the numbers that the DS and other consoles like that have hit that it'd be it'd be kind of silly for them to go back at this point because you know they even structurally you have to think from like a like a corporate perspective they merged all of those development teams exactly. together, you know, like Which I think the, has paid off. I mean, it totally has. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. So you know, first of all, that would be very hard to undo to say like, okay, now you're going back to just making handheld stuff. Uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> or, right. or, or thank you. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Um, 
But yeah, it, that just seems like an inevitability. So the question is like, okay, who makes actual handheld stuff anymore? And I think the answer is just like nobody. It kind of seems like, except for these companies making like retro handhelds. Exactly. They're yeah. like keeping the dream alive in a way. And and I guess it's the the design, the specific design of the two screens. Someone in the Discord asked, like, do you think like anyone else will make that again? Because I honestly really like. I think like having the two screens, there are some games that kind of rely on the touch controls and maybe a gimmicky way and yeah. stuff, but like just having an extra screen for a handheld game, like it really does help a lot of experiences. I mean, mm. as simple, like I think the simpler execution of it tends to be the better. Like there are so many games where just having a devoted screen for the map yeah. is like a selling point, <laughs> you know? Or even just a lot of games will use both screens sort of like height in a moment. Mm-hmm. So like something will actually take up both screens. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a really cool thing. And it, it, it's a shame that I think it's going to be like confined to this era. But, you know, I understand it's probably a hard thing to like constantly program around. And it's also like if we're going to move to a reality in which like handhelds are either like the switch or like third party devices Mm -hmm. i don't think like anyone's just gonna make a dual screen device for the sake of it no no and honestly the uh, a big chunk of why i feel like the ds is what it is is less because of the the dual screen aspect and almost more because they wanted to fit a touch screen in there you know like i feel like they wanted like a standard screen and then also have a touch screen because that the the thing about the ds you know, is it, it dropped in the States first, weirdly enough, in 2004. And that's like three years before the iPhone. You yeah. Know? It, like it almost like got people like ready for touchscreen interfaces yeah, in a way. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about that. And I feel like that's more like the thing even than the two screens in some cases. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, the Switch is kind of like continuing that lineage where like this ability to take a thing and have it, you know, move back and forth. Uh, between multiple like play styles simultaneously um, and be kind of like allow it to uh, conform to whatever your need is at that exact moment almost feels like a continuation of that where it's like oh yeah cool the ds you can bring it with you anywhere you know it has this really natural interface where you're touching it with uh with a stylus and stuff like that it feels like the the core of the nintendo philosophy when it comes to hardware is like we just want you to play it how you want to play it you know, wherever you want to play it. And and it does feel like the Switch is extending that, but I, I agree. I don't think, like, we're going to see a, 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 a handheld with two screens ever again, probably. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, I feel like the Wii, the Wii U, and the DS are all in the air of Nintendo being like, you've got to play it this way. Yeah. Um, it was so, so silly. It had never occurred to me until we started doing this episode at some point, looking back at the Wii U, like, oh, yeah, the Wii U was just a home console version of the nintendo ds <laughs> your tv was the top screen and the wii u game yeah. was the bottom but the screen. wii u was like wouldn't it be cool if you had to look at both at the same time yeah. <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if motion controls controlled fox's neck in star fox zero <laughs> i know i've brought that up before and i will never stop yeah until the message is heard we'll have to get a wii u at some point and do a bonus episode have, about that i have <laughs> more than once in the time of us doing this show have almost impulse bought oeu and you've stopped me every time yes like navi warning of the dangers ahead <laughs> like no don't do it yeah maybe, i don't know maybe we do it whatever next year's season premiere is the wii u <laughs> there are six games for it zombie u that Star fox one <laughs> Star Fox zero yeah yeah actually sorry there were just the two actually as it turns yeah, out yeah just two I mean, pretty much every like the Wii U had good games, but most of the good games are on the Switch now. Yeah, right. they've been ported. Really, the only thing I would get it for, which is like a testament to how much I love Wind Waker, is Wind Waker HD. Mm. But you know, hopefully the rumors are true and that will come to Switch soon. Hopefully, we'll see. We'll see. Hey, maybe by the time this episode is out, there will have been a Nintendo <laughs> Direct. I think that 
we've often accidentally predicted things and summoned things into existence. I think the creepiest is still Portal. That like still kind of gets to me. <laughs> yeah, that one was weird. Because um, yeah. every now and then it's like things are just popular and we're talking about it and they're like, oh, it's like, okay, it was like going to be announced anyway. Yeah. Portal was black magic. <laughs> <laughs> that was sorcery. And I think if, we're, if we've ever been able to actually use sorcery, it is on your deck at the twilight hours of the evening, surrounded yeah. by lights. Yeah, I can't wait for the stars to start coming out. That's going to be really nice. Yeah. I feel like I should take a picture of this. It's nice. I'm going really nice to make, make the, the gradient of the sky the episode art. How about oh, that? that's beautiful. I like that. It's a really nice blue sky, yeah. but like nighttime. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a good color. We got it. Ladies and gentlemen, we got it. Hell yeah. Good visuals during an audio medium. Yeah, you'll see it when you download the. Episode. I think that's probably all I want to talk about the DS for now because I think we're. Mm. I, I want to save this for tomorrow. Yeah, hopefully. unless you have anything more to say before we move on. No, I don't think so. Um, my number one game is Jedi Power Battles for the PlayStation One. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think <laughs> I didn't play any DS games. I just played Jedi Power Battles. <laughs> Oh, I misunderstood. Was that not what I was supposed to do? I remember when you got power-ups in that game, the Jedis would go... <laughs> like, they had, like, a weird, like... Yes. Yeah. I always played as Plo Koon. Yeah, I was a big Plo Koon fan as well. Man, Plo Koon. Cool I mean, guy. when you're given him as an option, who's to say no? Yeah. Well, they didn't have Kit. Okay. That's, that's true. Anyway, you want to take a break? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right. All right. All right, well, I'm going to put the mic down. See you soon. Welcome back. We are back. Welcome back. We got a good Jedi power battle session in. Yeah. I don't, that, that's a game that I, similar to like a Battletoads experience where you just never get past a certain level. Mm. I don't think I ever saw past the like second like forest world of mm. that game. Yeah. Did you ever finish it? I don't think so. I don't yeah. think I ever saw it either. That game had uh, like competitive multiplayer, right? Was that Oof. a big part of it? I thought it was co-op. I think it had co-op and, I don't know, it doesn't matter. The more matter. we talk about it, the more I think it was just a collective dream we all had. And yeah. we've been like, yeah, that was a good that was a good game. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't. Yeah, it was It was not. Yeah. Anyway, well, you know what is a good game? <laughs> Tell that me. We've already talked about it a little bit, but yeah. we're going to do a little bit of an update on. Sure. Fire Emblem Three Hopes. It is out. It so is I think, out. I think we wanted to, you know, we have already in the works an episode planned to, like, go all in like full chaos mode yeah about that game i think that might end up being i guess not the first one because it'll be the ds episode but the second episode of of season five yeah will, will be like probably wholly about fire Emblem warriors Three. it's Hopes. the after party yeah. you know if, if the ds episode <laughs> is the premiere yeah. this is like the speakeasy after party yeah it's gonna be great um but the game is out and i think we want to talk a little bit more about it we will avoid spoilers uh for the most part i think like we might talk about some mechanics that we have encountered in our playthrough that like potentially could count as a possible spoiler but you know nothing like super plot related yeah just stuff that happens after the demo exactly yeah. so if you want to avoid that maybe skip this section but otherwise nothing major yeah so i continued i've continued my uh golden deer playthrough yeah. i was tempted because it seems like all three houses have like a really great start so mm-hmm. especially the black eagles i've heard a lot of great things about the black eagles yeah i'm excited time. to check out the black eagles actually yeah but anyway, I continue my Golden Deer. Golden Wildfire, I believe, is the name of the story. Oh, that's fun. Which is pretty cool. Oh, there's fireworks in the distance. Oh, hell yeah. I wonder if they're getting picked up. They're into the DS. Pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I've continued my save, and uh, I actually haven't played as much of it as I have wanted to. Like Now that I'm like fully 
done preparing for the DS episode, I can like actually not that I don't want to play those games, but it's like that was a little bit of a a larger ask sometimes. Yeah. Because I was also really trying to put in as much time as possible in like 150 games. So (laughs) just being able to like play just whatever I want in the moment, which is usually how I operate for the show. So I want what I bring every week to be like, what would I be playing even if I wasn't doing the show? Right, yeah. You know? So Three Hopes is that. If I if I wasn't preparing for the DS episode, I'm sure I would have finished already. Mm-hmm. But I am on chapter five. So I'm one chapter ahead of where the demo ends. And I will confirm for those who have been wondering this, because it wasn't entirely clear based on the demo, Three Houses had a mechanic in which regardless of which house you chose you could actually recruit students from the other houses to join your your team and that would mean like you had to either have like stats they respected so like oh i i like horseback riding and lances cool Mm -hmm. i want to join your (laughs) army and betray all my friends uh or you could like give them gifts and like get to know them well enough that they would ask to join your house instead right right it was honestly one of the most interesting parts of three houses in my opinion because there was so much writing like not necessarily in like the main scenes but if you like talk to that character every character has like dialogue that backs up how they feel about being in that house at that time yeah so i was really curious to see like okay in three hopes like are we going to just have that team or are we going to have the ability to recruit other students yeah now I i can't say for sure if you can recruit everyone but you can definitely recruit uh, students from other houses and it's done like in the battle yeah. it's almost weirdly pokemon-esque where you have to like <laughs> fight and recruit uh the character but essentially the way it works is like they're they're in like main mission battles you have like a certain number of points where you can invest in certain tactics and before the battle even starts it will show you like okay here are the available tactics for this round so it might be like summon snipers or like summon the infantry and there are like moments in a match where the game will give you the option to like use those tactics and one of them for me uh was to recruit a character who was not in the golden deer yeah so i was like absolutely yes and the way it played out it, it seems like if i had to guess i don't think you can recruit everyone the same way you can three houses but it seems like they want to give those recruitments like more weight narratively yes which is really really cool to see yeah that's what i was gonna say i, f- I feel like they although you're losing some of the flexibility that the three houses provided i do think they they're making smarter choices about who can join which house so I'm playing Blue Lions and my first choice in that like strategies thing. Um, I could choose from a bunch of things. And one of them was to recruit Petra from uh, the Black Eagles. And the other one was to recruit Happy from the uh, Ashen Wolves, Wolves, who had also joined Edelgard's army at that point. Um, Everyone's joined the Empire. Even the kids who hang out in the basement are like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I didn't consider the fact that if I didn't pick that, that, you know, she would die so happy oh, wow. happy is now dead which oh sucks. that's heavy i had to kill her that sucked but I, I was like you know what i gotta commit to my choices this is the choice i made uh, but yeah. I, did, I did recruit petra nice. um and um immediately after that i was rewarded with a cutscene of like edelgard like grappling with that wow. which is really interesting it was like edelgard and like one of her one of her i don't know like side strategist people just talking about like how they're gonna deal with the Empire's relationship with uh, it's Bridget, right? Bridget, is, yeah. yeah, is the name of the, the um, country. Yeah, country that Petra comes from, and that was really fascinating. And then there was like a conversation with Petra about it, also. Um, 
So it seems like not only are they making these choices more deliberate, but they're like weaving them into the story. So if you if you make these decisions, if you decide to recruit people from other houses, like it's actually going to potentially affect what happens narratively. Whereas I feel like in three houses that was happening a little bit definitely, but it was more in terms of just like learning more about people, you know? Yeah, it, it would happen like they would be in the academy and there would be like dialogue if you talk to them. Yeah. But there wasn't a ton like given to the main story about why they were there. Yeah. And it does seem like it's more naturally woven into the main story now with it, this one. In retrospect, it feels like, I mean, Three Houses is a wildly ambitious game narratively. Like yeah. Even for, for some of the shortcomings, like the amount of possibilities that that game had to account for and how many are accounted for by the script right. is like matched only maybe by Hades in terms <laughs> of just like dynamic writing. Yeah, right. Um, but I do think it's weird that in Three Houses, there's like one or two events in the entire 100 plus hour game where you can recruit someone on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. It feels like what they're doing in Three Hopes was an idea that they maybe like really wanted to do in Three Houses. Yeah. Because I remember in, uh, in in Black Eagles, there's a point where like Lysithia was on the battlefield. And if I went up to her with Byleth, I could be like, hey, do you want to join the Empire? Everyone's doing it. Uh, <laughs> So, yes, I'm really I'm really happy to see that recruiting is back and that it's done in a really interesting way. That almost feels sorry, it just occurred to me that almost feels a little bit like going back to some really early Fire Emblem stuff, like only being able to like go to shops and stuff. Yeah. In the middle of a map, in the middle of a match. Yeah, like the Game Boy Advance Fire Emblem games, uh, Blazing Blade and and Sacred Stones, like yeah. everything was the battlefield. The battlefield, which I yeah. I do like I I kind of prefer the loop of having like distinct like prep areas yeah. and battle areas, but there is like I do think it's cool the way they do that, because in, in the case of those games, you would often have a character like thieves were almost designed to sort of solo and just like go to all the villages. Yeah. So like Matthew, for example, <laughs> could go talk to all the villagers who are like, you should use axes against lances. It's like, OK, cool. Thanks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think you're right that it does like feel like a fully realized version of Fire Emblem tradition in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also like I think the areas in which three hopes is really like one-upping three houses is the stuff you can do just at camp which is sort of the game's version of the monastery yeah like we, we were playing before we actually did some split screen which was a lot of fun it's um, really cool and I, I now have the ability to like upgrade facilities and like so you know like in in garrick mock where like you can like eat with your students and go fishing and all that like there's all that stuff in the camp but like you can actually like give resources to make all those areas better and actually like do like concretely different things than they did before uh, another area that they've gone all out in and like their production value seems to go entirely towards is this game's version of tea time which is like <laughs> fully yeah. fully cinematic jane austen horseback riding together and it's yeah. incredible yeah the the narrative or like the narrative uh way they try and weave this in is like okay cool so you're like going out to all these different battlefields you and one other person are just going to go on an expedition to go like check out the most like beautiful areas around yeah like to go sightseeing while you're also like preparing for battle so you go on this long horse ride and then get off and like just hang out in like a beautiful lush floral field uh, and then just like have a little chat. Yeah, it, it's a lot of tea time where you can ask them questions and there's like a little bit of like a trivia thing. Um, but it's like beautiful music and like really like honestly the environments and just the character models just look much better in yeah. this game yeah like in three houses uh the support scenes like after a while after you played that game for as long as i have you can tell there's like four skyboxes <laughs> yeah. and they're just sort of thrown in and they're kind of like low 
texture. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, they don't look great. Like they, they work, but they don't really look fantastic. Yeah. Given, I think when I played it for the first time, I was just blown away that the support scenes were like animated. Right. Because, you know, <laughs> prior to Three Houses, they were all just like visual novel, like, totally. you know, profiles yeah. with text boxes. So, you know, it was a big step. And I think like, I'm excited to see like Fire Emblem post Three Houses kind of like develop that further. And even Three Hopes has already. Yeah. Which is cool. Um, We haven't talked about this, but there's like pretty credible rumors that there's another Fire Emblem like coming soon. Yeah. Also, there have been some screenshots that have leaked all over the place. Which um, are wild. We That's a whole other episode. Yeah. yeah. They are pretty wild, but um, it's the same team that made this game also. So uh, the team that worked on Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes also helped out with the development with Intelligent Systems with Three Houses, but apparently took more lead on this new upcoming game from what we've heard. And uh, I think also uh, the other team is the team that makes the like Atelier games, which are known for just being like really beautiful, like really, really beautiful environments. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, The the screenshots that leaked, people said uh, were pretty early in development. That's what came with the screenshots, at least. Uh, So if you go check those out and you're like, that doesn't look very good. It's early in development. Um, (laughs) But I'm I'm excited. I'm excited about whatever that could be. But anyway. When we were were playing Three Hopes together, uh, of course, the character who asked to go on an expedition with me was Lorenz. Yes. So we had the... What's also fun is that, like, the beats of the horseback riding journey, you get this, like, splash of, like, almost text adventure narrative where it's like, Chez and Lorenz got off their horses and, like, soaked in the view. Yeah. It's it's amazing. (laughs) It's so funny. Um, It's also funny when you, like, horribly mess it up. So far, I've done two expeditions, one with Lorenz and one with Marianne. And Marianne is, like, very hard to compliment because she just has, like, a panic attack the minute you say something nice. Right. So it's sort of shaking your head like no 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 you can't be true <laughs> yeah in the middle of this like you know pride and prejudice landscape yeah it's very funny yeah i did uh i did one with the do and one with dimitri oh uh, nice and dimitri you know you can read that guy like a book so sure. it's pretty easy to do a little harder to, hard to read a little harder to read uh yeah. interestingly enough i do feel like he's got like his one thing that he's doing but by god i can't figure out what it he is he loves gardening he loves gardening and he loves cooking interesting yeah so if you want to crack his shell a little bit bring up those things that's good to know yeah hit, hit, a lot of uh, his supports in three houses are in the greenhouse oh because he has like plants and like flora from dusker yeah that like oh, he's cool. like preserving yeah which is that's that has a whole that's awesome yeah connection to it i just just to go back to what we were talking about when we first talked about the demo here but like the game is like way better than it really has any right to be yeah like it really it's like not only good but it, i think it's great um i think I, it's great i too. played so much of it since the full game unlocked i can confidently say it's a really good sequel you know i think yeah. if, if i mean and who knows if it's actually a sequel or not but yeah. i think like the way i d- was describing it on on dlc when i was on last week pitching it to two people who have not played three houses to be clear which yeah makes it sound like you're trying to sell them something yeah. you know <laughs> or like join a call have you heard of cutco yeah they make incredible <laughs> Incredible cutlery. Exactly. Um, anyway, uh, I'm my own boss. I we described it as a sidequel. Sidequel. A sidequel. Yeah, because like it's, it's not a prequel, really. It's not a. It's not a sequel. It's a sidequel. Yeah, narratively, it's a sidequel. I would say just as a game, though, it's a great follow up. I'll yes. say that. There you go. Yeah. I think it's a great follow up to Three Houses, and I think I don't know if we talked about this on the show or not, but I think it's actually a great best of both worlds to have this game alongside whatever the new Fire totally. Emblem is, because like the next mainline entry will be a totally new story. Yeah, which I, I think that's like kind of always the baseline appeal of Fire Emblem is like, well, it, it obviously like covers a lot of familiar territory, and there's always like set archetypes for the characters. Mm-hmm. There's almost like a Pokemon level where it's like, who who's the new roster this time? Like, who's the new cast? I'm just excited to meet them. Who, yeah. Who's going to have a weird habit that I'm going to have to learn about? Who did fall for the Cutco scheme? 
This is Agatha. She falls for schemes. <laughs> That's her thing. Every scheme. Yeah. yeah. She's always falling for schemes. Yeah. <laughs> I keep getting missives from people asking for my money. Oh, hey, Agatha. Need any help lifting those boxes? No, I lost all my money again. And someone stole my credit and I'm losing the war. <laughs> See, I'm very excited for that fireball. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be really fun. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, Three Hopes is awesome. Uh, it's great. Well, we're going to talk about it more in, I guess, a couple weeks. Uh, yeah, we, so by we, then, we I think... we give ourselves we, a bunch of time. Yeah, I, I think that will probably be like a spoiler episode, too. So I don't know if it's going to be like the full yeah. the full thing, but it will be much more in-depth and like more narrative-focused, than yeah. I To be clear, I don't think we're going to just like open it with spoilers, but uh, it will probably have a non-spoiler thing in Yeah, there. yeah, I But think so. I do think we're probably going to go more in-depth in what's going on story-wise, because I... Actually, it sounds like none of us have played Black Eagles of all of us who will be on the episode. Yeah, I think you and my friend Sadie are both Blue Lions. Yeah. Is Alana also Blue Lions? Yeah, I think so. So three lions and one deer. That's really funny. Yeah. Whoops. Whoops. Well. Uh, maybe I'll switch to Black Eagles just to... I mean, I think you should play whatever you want to play. Yeah. I, I'll go back. Also, yeah, yeah uh, th- there you go. Alana and Sadie are friends who have been on other episodes. Uh, yes, they're both joining are, us. Are I'm so both excited joining about us for Three Hopes. We have a group chat where we've been talking a lot about Felix. Uh, <laughs> it's been great. I've been sending fan art of Felix with cats. Yeah. Uh, that I've found on Tumblr.com. There you go. It's a great website. <laughs> you want to take another break? Have you signed up yet? Uh, yeah, let's take another break. For Tumblr? No, I was, I was going back to the scheme bit. I have signed up for Tumblr, though. Tumblr's great. I'm talking about schemes. Yeah. It's kind of a scheme. You can be your own boss. You can be your own boss. You just have to find eight people to sign up. They get eight people to sign yeah. up. They each join one of three houses. Mm-hmm. Go to war. Go to war. Go on an expedition. Go on an expedition. <laughs> now that I like. Perfect expedition. Perfect. <laughs> you had a perfect time <laughs> talking to Lorenz about Lorenz. The thing about the uh we should stop (laughs) i'm gonna take a break (laughs) all right we'll see you later (laughs) goodbye bye hello steven hey brendan and hello dear listener hello um we had a couple things that we wanted to just run down a couple things that we've been playing in the interim um not a whole lot to be totally honest i've been pretty focused on three hopes and the nintendo ds recently yeah me too um i did as i mentioned i went on dlc last week and i talked a little bit about Amori, which is a game that I have started and have not gone far enough in to bring to this show yet. I, I wanted to pitch it on that show because I know it was going to fly a little bit under the radar and just like kind of show it to more people was the hope. Yeah. Um, I will say that I'm liking it a lot really early on. I'm very much picking up what it's putting down in terms of like the thematic, the troubling yeah. subject matter. Yeah. I think it's really effective at that. And from what I've heard of people who've played it, it really sticks the landing. Um, so if you're a person who is into like Earthbound and Mother and that kind of stuff, um, Eastward, recent game, yeah. um, check out Amori. It's on the Switch. It's a cool one. I uh, imagine it'll be one we will revisit because yeah. I've been meaning to play it for like actually forever. And then yeah. I, I have been waiting for this Switch release because I had it on Steam because it's on Mac, but I heard the Mac version doesn't run oh, great. Right. Yeah. So I'm excited to play it on Steam. I think it's also on Game Pass. Oh, yeah, it is on Game yeah. Pass. Yeah. Um, but that's Omori. It's it's really, really good so far, and expect me to bring it up again. You picked up a thing that I'm very curious about. You picked up the Capcom Fighters Collection. Yes, I got this. I've been looking forward to this. So I actually saw like an ad for it randomly like on one of those strangely designed Xbox menus where you're just like scrolling through stuff, and there's like all this... Yeah. My one big gripe with like modern consoles is how much ad space there is. It feels yeah. a little bit <laughs> alarming, but... It worked. Yeah, I mean, you're I right. How you're much right. they charge for that ad space? 
Yeah, yeah, I have no idea. But I saw, and I think it was because you bought X, Y, or Z. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm definitely like a fan of fighting games. So I saw an ad for the Capcom Fighting Collection, uh, which they advertised recently on their direct Capcom's uh, event. Yeah, because they showed more footage of Street Fighter Six, which isn't coming out until next year. So this feels a little bit like a while you wait. Here's yeah. something fun. And honestly, I have to say, like, Capcom is is pretty great at preserving their library. Yeah. Like, even their kind of weird cult hits. Like, there is such a close reality where Okami never was released again after PS2 and was $500. You know, like, <laughs> I can feel that parallel reality totally. so close to me. And, like, it's just on everything. Yeah. You know, Ace Attorney, same thing. So, like, I, I do I do commend Capcom for that. And, and this is sort of in line with that because essentially the Capcom fighting collection is like I would say it's mostly one series which is interesting yeah uh, it's mostly the Darkstalkers series which has gone under different names it's actually interesting you can choose wh- whether you want to play the English or Japanese version of the game mm-hmm. this is not even I don't even think it's just like what language is it it's like the actual like what was released there yeah um, and I think it's called like vampire or something in Japan mm. but regardless Darkstalkers is this Capcom series that I don't I don't think has ever been like officially released here mm. or at least these games haven't been officially released in the US or if they are it's not easy to get them. Right. So um this collection is like the first 3ish cuz every Capcom fighting game has like eight versions of the same game. Yeah. The first 3ish Darkstalkers, two Street Fighter like puzzle games, which I'll get into. I am fascinated a by that. Mech fighting game. Cool. And then a version of Street Fighter 2. Yeah. And also a um I think it's called Red Earth. It is yes. like a Gauntlet Legends RPG but is a fighting game. Okay. Which is fascinating. And all these games have online play and have rollback netcode. That's the big thing. Yeah. For so me. yeah. I'm really like, the one big downside is there's no cross platform play. Mm. So like I picked it up on Switch because I wanted to play a little bit of it before today. This is something to have, you know, to is talk it about. Sixty dollars? It's forty. That's very intriguing to yeah. me. It's on everything. You can get it on any system. Yeah. Uh, I I will probably pick it up again either on Xbox or PS five. Yeah. Cause like I, I, I like it on Switch. It plays fine. But I think if I, if I ever wanted to play online, I might do that. So Out of curiosity, why why would you rather play online on a different platform than Switch? Um, I guess I just like, I imagine like... Is it a controller thing? I actually do like the Pro Controller. Maybe I'll just keep the Switch version. You actually, mm. you put a good idea in my head. I've just, I've just been thinking a lot about the DualSense controller because there's been yeah. this pretty, another pretty credible rumor that um, PlayStation is going to launch some new hardware soon, some like Pro hardware. They're going to like launch a new headset. It's supposed to be like this kind of Pro audio thing, which they already kind of did at launch, but I think they're going to do like another one. They're apparently launching another controller that's supposed to like compete with the Xbox Elite oh. controller. Cool. That'll you know have like back paddles and one of the big things is that it'll have removable thumbsticks. So like the the Elite controller, you can like remove the tops of the thumbsticks and replace them with like just kind of different shapes. But this is supposed to specifically like fight against stick drift. Um, gotcha. So like if you have stick drift on your analog sticks, you could just remove the whole analog stick and replace it, which is a kind of nice idea, actually. Yeah. Uh, just like to change the whole unit out. But I saw that announcement and immediately was like, I will pay for that because I, I realized recently I'm not a huge fan of the DualSense controller. And I learned that while playing multiverses <laughs> yeah. of all games. When I was, I was like, into Guilty Gear, it actually hurt my hands after a while. Yeah. And, and also the battery life is really bad. Yeah, like, the battery life is bad. That's a big thing. I, I just... I liked it a lot when I first got my hands on it, when the PS5 first came out, and over time I've realized that the Elite controller for Xbox, also just the standard 
Xbox Series controller that it comes with is really great. And the Pro Controller is unbelievable. Yeah. I know a lot of, like, when I was playing Guilty Gear more when it came out, a lot of people in the Discord get, like, the sticks. Oh, yeah. The arcade. Like, if yeah. you're really into fighting games, I think you should go with that. Yeah. But regardless, I think the other reason I might get it for another system, too, is, like, um, depending on who has it where, mm-hmm. just to be able to play with them. Because I, I, I see myself playing online. I don't see myself going, like, all in like yeah. I did for other games right. on, on Darkstalkers. <laughs> um, but I was really curious about this game because I've never played it. It's sort of like Capcom's weird sort of under-the-radar fighting game series. There are a couple characters that you've seen in like crossover games. Like Morgan is kind of everywhere. Oh, really? Okay, uh, Morgan, yeah. who's like the succubus character who's in Marvel vs. Capcom. Yeah. Uh, there's also a few other characters in the series that have like appeared in those games. But essentially what it is, it's, it's a fighting game very similar to Street Fighter, very similar to like the Street Fighter 2s and early Third Strike era. Mm. Street Fighter 3 Third Strike is like my gold standard for like this type of fighting game. Yeah. So it plays a lot like that. I don't know like the in-depth mechanics of Darkstalker, so I can't say like the parry mechanic is like, you know, X, Y, or Z, but <laughs> right. uh, it plays like it on a surface level. And the whole premise of it is that every character is like a monster or from some kind of folklore or fairy tale. Mm. So Morrigan's a succubus. There's a Sasquatch character who I love. Who's just awesome. a Sasquatch. Yeah. Uh, there's an extremely horny fish man who's like <laughs> just incredible. And like what I love about this era of like arcade fighters is like whenever you win, it will cut to this like splash art of the character and this like erotic yeah. pose being like, go home. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> or it was, oh, I screenshot it. There's a quote from Morgan that was like, the nighttime was made for adults. Go home, boy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's that's, like, that's so silly. It's, it's extremely campy. And like, it's, it's so, I don't think it's a game that like, I can see why it never was like their <laughs> like flagship series because <laughs> it's like just a strange like horny Halloween party. Yeah. But it's been a lot of fun to play. And I think what I like about this era of like fighting games and arcade games is like, I imagine that there was an element where it was like, what's the strangest game we can make that will just grab someone's attention in the arcade? Totally. You know, yeah. I, I think that we're, like a lot of like the Dreamcast era stuff also feels like that. But all that to say, like the music is great. The like animations are fun. The backgrounds of Darkstalkers are like really detailed. It kind of reminds me, you know, when, when we were talking about Shredder's Revenge, the recent mm-hmm. Ninja Turtles game, like so much attention to detail is like in the backgrounds and like what the characters are doing. Yeah. And I feel like that aspiration is kind of born from this era of arcade games where like there was just so much like because the games are so simple and so focused on one idea, there's so much work done for just like the extraneous elements. So mm-hmm. like there's also because of the theme, like it's not it's not scary. It's just like very silly and, yeah. and honestly dumb. Um <laughs> but some of the <laughs> like there's a zombie who plays like a electric guitar. Yeah. Uh, come on, it, it rules. But uh some of the backgrounds are like genuinely scary. Like there's one where there's like a weird, like I think it's called like God's fetus or something and it's like this weird like baby with like a you know third eye and, oh my like, god yeah in this like strange vortex most of them aren't like that that's like the final boss level uh-huh. but all i have to say like this is something i think you and i would have fun just like playing it one night just like to i was see, gonna like, say when we're done recording we should go play this yeah so, yeah and so i think interested. also like having it online like it's it's just very it's just very fun and, and campy. So there there are three Darkstalkers games on the collection. The first one I would say is like a little bit clunky. Mm. Um, the second and third one though play really well. Mm. And what's interesting is that the second one and the first one every character has like a special move that the meter builds up towards. But you can if you do the move and you miss, you still have your special. Oh, nice. Which is interesting. So it has to land. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, cool. In the third game. 
you don't get that, but I think the recent Mortal Kombat's do this, and I think Injustice as well. But in the third Darkstalkers, when you like win a match, round two begins, and like the person who won has the same health they did when yes. they won. Right. So like it just kind of makes it flow. Like the matches are very fast, and like yeah. I don't know. I've been enjoying it. I don't know like how much I'm gonna like get into it, but I like that I have it. Yeah, totally. And I think it's, it's also cool just, that it exists. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole museum where you can see like the old concept art and stuff. And, oh, like, really? The manuals. That's and, like, so cool. Um, the pictures they have in the arcade of like the characters and their combos with the joystick. Like, yeah. I love that kind of stuff. And the the menu is like really easy to navigate. It's really like great music in it. So um, those are the, the Darkstalkers games. And there's also like two or three versions of three that I can't quite distinguish. There's like <laughs> a slightly different roster, but you know, yeah. from what I could tell, there are three different games. Yeah. I think I do want to check this out. Yeah. We should play after this. Yeah. That sounds cool. Um, the other games, there's a, there's a game where you essentially are piloting a mech yeah. of extreme customization. And then it's like a 2d fighting game, but you are like in a mech. Yeah. Um, that one, I can't quite figure out. It's like <laughs> a little bit, I'm sure it's like, it, it was fun to play it, but I didn't really know what I was doing. So that one was like a little bit of a lesser hit for me. There are two Street Fighter puzzle games as well. Yeah, tell so, me how this works. Yeah, so one is, I think, just called Street Fighter 2, like uh, like Puzzle something. Yeah. Puzzle Fighter, maybe. And I think it's, yeah, I think it's Street Puzzle Fighter. Something like that. And essentially, you choose a character, and it is a match three style puzzle game. So essentially, like, when you match up, like, you'll see, like chibi versions of the characters like kind of facing each other yeah um and then on both sides of the screen is like a tetris you know puzzle drop down and gems will fall and if you combine gems of the same color they'll form a larger gem and then there are like weird spheres that will like break mm. every gem of that color so the idea seems to be like build up gems as large as possible and then break them yeah so there's kind of a risk reward i th i think i'm understanding it correctly they don't really tell you how to play it's called super puzzle fighter 2 turbo exactly um, yeah. yeah and and it looks like it's a match three on either side uh and then in the middle are the two characters who are fighting based yeah, on and how, how well, well you're you do. doing yeah. you'll see that character like fight the other there's one. also a super gem fighter mini mix there is which i'll get to in a moment <laughs> but yeah the puzzle fighting game like it's largely it's it, it's a it's a puzzle game but you'll see the characters like fighting each other and doing better depending Depending how well you're doing yeah which is fun and it's got a lot of character like the animations like it feels kind of almost like a parody of street fighter in some ways mm. but i played as chun li and I, I think in the round i was in it was against ken and she was like yawning and like then did her like kicks and stuff so yeah. it's fun I, I like that game the gem fighting one is interesting i actually don't quite know what it is it's a similar presentation so similar like chibi art style unlike the puzzle fighter you're actually fighting like a street fighter game um but whenever you hit the other person they like drop a gem and i think it's like certain gems power up certain moves so it's a little bit more of like a hybrid uh, um okay. it's like it's like kind of cool i just i couldn't quite grasp like what it was yeah um so that's that one and then there's red earth yeah i was gonna ask I, red <laughs> earth is the one i'm most curious about <laughs> not none of these games i fully understand to be clear it's <laughs> kind of why I, I brought it to the show yeah why I, I'm enjoying playing it. Um, but yeah, Red Earth is like, from what I can tell, there are four characters you can choose from. And when you choose them, they're all like lined up in like an adventurer's mm -hmm. group pose. Mm -hmm. There's a witch. There's like a lion man. <laughs> there's like just a straight up dinosaur. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> so essentially you choose one and then it shows you like almost like a Fire Emblem-ish map. And yeah. 
a little bit of story and then you go and i think the first fight is like some kind of monster and it, it plays like a 2d fighting game but when you win you like level up and it will say like now your character is like resistant to poison or something so <laughs> okay. it essentially plays just like any of these games but the character you're fighting has much more health yeah and it seems to be trying to apply an rpg lens to a 2d fighting game skeleton mm. um i haven't gotten very far and i only played the first few levels i think it's a really cool idea i don't know how well it's executed mm. but it's like really interesting like, again i just think it's cool that like all these games that we probably would have never seen are in one package it's like not too much to ask yeah um and you know i think dark stalkers is definitely like the selling point i think for this collection the funny thing is i would definitely pick it up for red earth specifically because <laughs> I, I feel like red earth is, is kind of like cult classic adjacent yeah I i've been hearing is. about it for so long if i'm missing something if, if if anyone listening like knows more about red earth like please let me know I, i'm sure i'll play more of it and learn more about it it's gonna be me next week ds <laughs> <laughs> episode is canceled it's a red earth bonus yeah <laughs> um it's cool that capcom is a collection of stuff that is like you know, sort of like the B team. Totally. In some ways. I mean, there is, I think it's Hyper Street Fighter 2. Yes. Which is exactly, you know, it's Street Fighter 2. Nice. Uh, it, ha- it has, a, I think it's the largest roster of Street Fighter 2. I've cool. seen some people upset that a uh, Third Strike isn't in here, uh, which, you know, I would love if Third Strike was here, but you can get Third Strike pretty easily. It's in pretty much any, like, this yeah, is like thir- pretty widely available, right? Yeah. There's a 30th anniversary. This is the 35th anniversary, I think, of like, Street Fighter? Maybe not. Either mm. way, the 30th anniversary, uh, it has basically like every Street Fighter game in it. Cool. So uh, it has every version of Street Fighter 3 as well, but Third Strike is the one to play. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. I feel like in the time before patching a game, Capcom would just release like revisions of it. It's like, okay, like, yeah. we in this game, we've like buffed this character. Yeah, we balanced all these people. We've out. added yeah. this character. We've removed this character. So Third Strike is like definitively the version of 3 to play. Mm. I also have. I have a PS2 copy that's like Street Fighter 2 and Street Fighter 3. So yeah, you, you you can get it pretty easily. And I think there's online play for that as well. Oh, nice. Which is cool. Yeah. So uh, I am very interested in this collection, though, uh, more so than I thought I would be. Yeah. I don't know. I, I could see myself picking it up. I'm I think, excited I think to play. We should, yeah, we should go let's, play let's after play this. Let's play first. Yes. Uh, and and once we'll you once you have beaten Red Earth, get back to me. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. Okay, cool. I, th- I think we can we can make that a, a season five bonus. <laughs> Red Earth, Red Earth coming soon. Um, can I shout out another indie game? Please I'm playing? do. Yes. There's a game that got announced in a Nintendo Direct. I think in one of the Indie World Directs a while ago. I don't even know. Like maybe a couple months ago. It was called Aleckhead. Yeah, I remember seeing that. And I was really interested in it pretty immediately. It came out on Steam pretty soon after that, but was still kind of like waiting in the wings to come out on Switch and came out this week. But um, I was talking to Christian Spicer from DLC and he was playing it on his Steam Deck and really liked it a whole bunch and was like, I just I just heard him talking about it on the show and was like, I got to check this game out. It just like kept being a thing that like I kept ch- checking the eShop to see if it was out yet. And I picked it up. I've been playing it. It is brilliant. It's so, yeah. so good. The thing about Aleckhead, um, just to, I guess, give you like a high level in case you haven't seen any of it, it's very much kind of like um, like a one bit, almost like feels adjacent to early Mega Man, like the first Mega Man game kind of energy, uh, just in terms of the art style. But you're this little robot who's running around. And as you run on platforms, you charge them with electricity. So it's a puzzle game that kind of plays like a Mega Man platformer. So you're not like shooting enemies or anything you're just trying to make your way from screen to screen and make your way around this facility and just like charge it up in different ways so there will be instances like okay if you stand on this platform
platform, you will activate a beam that will like shoot across the level and maybe kill you if you walk into it by accident. You know, things like that. So it's like, okay, how do I make it from point A to point B without stepping on that platform that will, you know, charge up the beam that will shoot and kill me? Uh, things like that. And for the first, like, I would say 30 to 45 minutes, the game is just that. It's just like kind of being very clever about the way you're kind of maneuvering this this space. You know, how am I jumping over from this platform to this platform? Yeah. Okay, when I stand or like when I bump up against the right side of the wall, you know, the right side of the wall also kind of like loops up into the top of the screen and then lowers a platform down below me. As long as I'm like touching this wall, I can charge that up and lower the platform and get out of here. Things like that. And then a little bit further into the game, they give you the ability to throw your head off of your body oh wow into the distance and whatever your head is touching is the thing that gets charged with electricity so suddenly you have these situations where it's like oh i need to go from point a to point b i'm going to throw my head over this chasm and whenever you throw your head you have 10 seconds to retrieve your head or you'll die you'll just explode (laughs) um fair so you have these moments where it's like okay now this is not just like a puzzle platforming game there's also this kind of like speed element to it where it's like i have to figure out how to do this very quickly um you know and there's there's no like penalty for dying really there's just checkpoints in every single room that you're in so you can just try things over and over and over again but i do like the experience of like kind of bashing my head against how to solve a puzzle and then once i figure it out it's like now i go and then just like try and do it over and over and over again that moment where it's like oh aha i know how to do it but can i pull it off is always really really fun and what I think is really, really cool about it is it starts to get to the point, which is so f- funny, just that we talked about it last week, but it like feels a little neon white-ish sometimes. Mm, yeah. It kind of has that, like, I'm doing a run. Every once in a while, you'll get into a room that it's like, you really do need to use all 10 seconds perfectly to be able to make it through a room where it's like, okay, I'm jumping in the air. I'm throwing my head over here. I'm running, counting down like 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, picking my head up, you know, with two seconds to spare and then shooting my head into the air. So it like hits one platform and then it falls down back onto me, things like that. Like you're just like chaining puzzle solving elements That's together. That's so cool. Yeah, in a platforming perspective, it's really, really, really interesting. Um, the game's also ten bucks and on oh, Switch. Yeah, it's in a brand. Yeah, it's it's really, really good. Uh, it's also so pretty. The music is great. Um, the art is awesome. I really, really, really. Yeah, like I forgot it. what I forgot. I forgot what event that was shown at, but I, I remember think it was that Andy was World, standout. Yeah. yeah. It's great. I mean, also just a great name. Alekhead is an awesome it's name. It's wonderful, yeah. Yeah, the great great branding. Um, <laughs> Good brand. It's uh, from, if I recall correctly, it's from a developer that is widely known. I don't remember who it is at this point, but I remember they shouted that out in the indie world. Um, but yeah, it's really good. I've been waiting for it, and it's great. So Alekhead oh, yeah. on the Nintendo Switch. Is it elsewhere, too, or is that just where you're playing it? I know it's on Steam, uh, but I don't know where else it is. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. But that's pretty much the stuff I've been playing that's not for the Nintendo DS. Yeah. The Nintendo Darkstalkers. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> when we said we're doing a DS episode, I'm sorry, horrible miscommunication. <laughs> anyway, my Sasquatch theory is So I guess is this it? Is this the final episode of season four? I guess that's it. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Do you have anything else you want to shout out before we move on? I can I, see I can see Orion's belt up there. Oh, that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Is it a sign? I think it might be. I love constellations. Do you? Uh, yeah. What's I do. your favorite one? <laughs> you really force me into a corner here. Yeah, just, name, name three of their albums, Steven. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I can name. Okay, let's let's see if I can do it. Okay, Big Dipper, uh-huh. Orion's Belt, uh-huh. and aren't those the same? Are no, no, no. Big Dipper is different. Is is Orion's Belt the Little Dipper? It, it could. Orion's be. Belt is the handle of one of the Dippers. <laughs> is it? Yes. Okay, so I know one constellation. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know zodiac signs, which are uh-huh. are not directly tied to constellations, but yeah. there's some overlap. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I uh, I'm really excited for tomorrow. I mean, I'm really glad we got tonight to work. Yeah. I hope uh, it, the the ambiance here translates over the audio because it's a, it's a lovely night. Yeah, it's really nice. And um, I think it'll I think it'll at least translate in the mood. Yeah, I think so. I'm just feeling very grateful. I mean, it hit me like I think once. Once you're out of college, if you, if you go to college, or at least for me, once I was out of college, I found that like years just started going by quicker. Mm. You know, I think just as you get older, like years carry a little bit less meaning. And that being said, you know, us having done the show now for four years, like it it has flown by, but it also feels so substantial. And it's like yeah. that's that's the amount of time that that school can take, or that <laughs> like you know, like it really does. Like, we've been doing it long enough now that we can look back on previous episodes and be like, oh, like that was a distinct time. Yeah. Not to like catalog it immediately, but it's like, oh, like that wasn't just like in recent memory. That was like a, a different era. And it's just, I'm just very grateful to have this with you and the fact that like it has been, obviously we put a lot of effort into the show, but it has been effortless to continue and I'm looking forward to what comes next. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The, the growth has been just kind of like a natural extension of what we want to do you know it's it's never i i I, we say this a lot but we never want it to like feel shitty to be bigger you know like that's that's never that's never the vibe we always want to feel comfortable in the ways in which we grow the show and uh we managed to do it and it's been very nice been very cool but i do think season four was like pretty big season four is pretty big yeah i think i definitely think you and i have the mantra of like even though we never want it to feel like overwhelming we also always want to challenge ourselves and and take on new things i think like looking back on season two a big reason why like i think season one is like 50 episodes and season two is like 76 yeah around there is that that was the year we started doing bonuses Mm -hmm. um and has become such like an integral part of our structure yeah uh and you know only last season we did we decide like how to handle season premieres yeah so i'm just looking forward to like kind of what naturally develops on that angle yeah. yeah. Uh, we have we have some ideas for uh, some stuff, uh, I think specifically Patreon focus, which will be really cool. Yeah. But we've also been already talking about what next year's season premiere is going to be, which I don't mind saying on this episode, especially at the end of this episode. Yes. But like we're, we're deciding between the Dreamcast and the Sony PlayStation Portable. Yeah. Which seem like two obvious candidates. The PSP being specifically like counter to the DS. Yeah. Um, you know, they were both happening around the same time the PSP was like I think a lot of people thought was going to be the more popular of the two for a while there right. uh, until obviously the DS became what it did and then the Dreamcast I'm fascinated by specifically because I really don't have any context for it at all like I know I know a lot of the games you know like I like I've played Crazy Taxi in an arcade before I know Sonic Adventure and Adventure 2 obviously because like Soul Calibur they, yeah they made their way to other things Soul Calibur similar situation but like Jet Set Radio I don't I don't know Jet Set Radio the thing like I've never played it I just I know it exists and that's kind of the thing is like most of the games that are great on the Dreamcast I just have no context for and even the ones I do have context for I have never been hands-on with because I've I didn't know anyone with a Dreamcast so yeah, I, I, I mean, just, you're not alone. Yeah, it didn't sell very well. <laughs> I knew I knew one kid with a Dreamcast um, who was like a friend of a friend of like my mom's friend, uh, and I remember like I went over to some kid's house uh, for like 45 minutes so my mom could like help them with something, and I just like was in the basement. He was like, "You want to see Dreamcast?" I was like, "Sure," and I watched him play Sonic Adventure for like 45 minutes, and that was my only that's my only experience with the Dreamcast. Yeah, I remember I really wanted a Dreamcast, but it came out at an awkward time. And, you know, I think I had, like, just saved up for a PS2 or something. Mm. Um, Or, you know, my allowance or whatever. You know, I 
was like well, 11. Yeah, by the time nine. you had the money, the PS2 was out. And it's like, yeah. that's the one you get. I was nine. I wasn't saving up. What am I talking about? <laughs> Either way, I think I couldn't ask my parents for another system so yeah. soon. But a friend of mine had a Dreamcast. And I remember um, three apartments ago, my roommate had a Dreamcast. Mm. And that was like my primary Dreamcast experience. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. I mean, that system did so much that has become the norm now. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it is kind of like sad that it that it met the fate it did, but it's you know it's still talked about. Yeah, it, it's still widely beloved, and I, I would love to explore that library more. So I think for for those two, like I think we will probably end up doing both at some point. Yeah, probably. But I think we're drawn. I think Dreamcast would be a fun departure. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. especially especially after handhelds. Um, yeah, Dreamcast also a thing that's very easy to emulate, which is helpful. Yeah. Um, the PSP is getting there to be clear that's the reason i have more context for the psp library than i do for dreamcast um it's just because like i've been i've been very interested in checking it out it's been pretty widely accessible um and playable on a lot of the retro handhelds i have but dreamcast i just like i don't even know where to begin which is i think more exciting and more challenging for me yeah because like, i think the ds and the game boy advance i obviously had like loads of experience with. right i think we'll probably do what we did this time too where like i i like kind of being open about what the next one is so like we can have a playlist that like people yeah. can also check out um, that way it's a kind of a shared experience yeah. but people can recommend Shrek cart <laughs> for the Dreamcast I don't know if that's real number that's one probably not real. <laughs> uh, yeah so that's all very exciting so I'm just I'm just extremely grateful and I'm excited for what comes next and also huge thank you just to everyone who is listening whether this is your first episode this would be a weird first episode but <laughs> if it is welcome I'm Stephen Hilger this is Brendan Bigley uh but, you know, whether or not you are a new listener or you've listened since 2018, we really, really appreciate you sticking around and we're excited to share what comes next with you. Yeah, for real. I mean, there are people who are listening who have been around since the beginning. Thank you all so much for doing that. Uh, but if you've joined recently, thank you also. It's not a thing we say super often, but it's worth reiterating. Like if you're a person who just listens to the show and you're not like following us on Twitter or on Discord or on anything like that's still really cool. So yeah. thank you. Thank you Absolutely. to those of you who are like, if you're just like ingesting the podcast that's cool that's what that's all we wanted initially yeah exactly <laughs> um all the extra stuff is uh icing which is pretty cool i'm looking i'm looking back at at season four i'm just looking back at some of the bonuses and it was actually really nice to be able to have a lot of these experiences like the mass effect trilogy oh my god i hadn't played mass effect before we did that i'm I mean, so I happy you bit, loved but, it as much as i hoped yeah. you would I mean, it was amazing. Luigi's Mansion. I remember you called. Luigi's Mansion was a lot of fun. Yeah. I remember for Mass Effect, you called me and, and then you said, I'm sorry I'm talking so much about Mass Effect, Mass Effect 2. I'm like, <laughs> look who you're talking to. You're good. Um, Luigi's Mansion was a blast. That was a lot of fun to play all three of those. Yeah, that was that was really fun. Honestly, I think I'm, I'm just looking at the list of all the bonuses we did. I think Chrono Trigger was the one. Your favorite? Yeah. That was a really special one. That yeah. was really special. That that and Mass Effect, I think, were were big. Uh, I also really loved the Portal one. That was a lot of fun too. Yeah, that was cool. It was nice. I, I that was a situation where I I had wanted to do a full let's play of the game we were doing a bonus for. Yeah. For like so long, and I just could never figure out the one to do it for. And uh, this that was like the obvious one, which was yeah. really fun. So getting getting to finally do that was really cool. Um, I've always wanted to do one in secret, also, and I don't know when I can make that happen. Uh, <laughs> but one one day I want to in secret just be like. The bonus is out, and there's a full Let's Play on YouTube. So yeah, I think, I think Chrono Trigger and Portal were were standouts to me. The experience of making it, yeah, because like you and I didn't really know where we were gonna land. 
Yeah. You know, like I feel like with Mass Effect, it was like, even though you hadn't played it, it was like pretty much a sure thing. Yeah. Pretty early on. Like we knew it was going to be a big deal for right. both of us. Right. For Chrono Trigger, obviously I had a prior love for it, but I didn't want to force that on you. And I was like, this will just be something that we can play. We'll be happy. We explore it. We'll have a good talk about it. We'll move on. Yeah. I didn't expect it to be like quasi like spiritual, you know? <laughs> yeah. And same with Portal. Like we chose Portal. It's like, okay. These are like really cool games that are quick and easy to play. So it'll be like a less of a demand. Yeah. Often when we do that we're like this is a a shorter one it will it, it's still a big deal you yeah know? i mean pokemon red and blue was just exactly. that like yeah. recently yeah yeah um so anyway yeah the chrono trigger experience was interesting too because it was like i was playing it while i was stuck in france because i had covid yeah which was a really wild thing it was nice to have the nintendo ds with me for that <laughs> trip which was good but a lot of that game i played on an exercise bike too which was really fun interesting. uh shout out to our friend chris plant who recommended doing that uh that was a really good experience run to the past to save the future yeah yeah <laughs> bike to the past bike to the past yeah yeah that just what a cool game that is yeah go play chrono trigger if you haven't <laughs> oh god that's how hot, season four ends hot go, takes play it. Here. Yeah, yeah, hot go, take. go check it out and i will say the ds is the best way to play it it's true yeah it's true heads up we are not counting chrono trigger no, for tomorrow sadly unfortunately not but i think in this in this moment, uh, I just want to say that that is that is the closest the port. That is the closest you can get, though, to making it count. You know, yeah. Like if if there was a world in which you and I wanted to be like, do do we want to conceive of a world in which Chrono Trigger counts for this episode? That is the argument that you make: is that this is the best place to play it. Therefore, it, is, yeah. it does count. Um, but I don't think it does. Yeah, I, I think like. It, it's tricky, you know. It's, it, I think ports and remakes are all—it's all kind of case by case. Yeah. And there's no consensus on it. Like you know, there there's always going to be like at the end of the day, it's like I think if we felt that like Chrono Trigger is like the DS experience we wanted to highlight above all else, I just don't really see it tied to the DS. Even though I think it's the best way to play it, it's not I like I think if we were doing a Super Nintendo episode, I would count it. But for DS. It, it is a port, so yeah, yeah. sadly no, but in our hearts it is. There are some games that are not on my list. I'll say this before anything else. There are some <gasps> games that are not on my list because the DS, it turns out, was not the best place to play them. Yeah, which, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, more than one, which I thought was very interesting. But I was I was thinking again about uh, Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga, which is a game that was released for the Game Boy Advance and then remade for the 3DS. 3DS. And I remember uh, wondering as we were recording that episode if the 3DS version was better, you know, and if I would regret putting Superstar Saga so high. But 3DS version, not as good. Yeah, they ch there's a remake of Superstar Saga and Bowser's Inside Story for the 3DS. They changed the art. They changed the art, and that really ruins it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're still playable and fun, but like, I really don't yeah, like the I'm 3D sure. for that. Yeah. Yeah. But that that pixel art is so good. Anyway, I feel anyway. like I feel like you and I just want to continue living in this vibe forever. And what's nice is that we can when we stop recording. Yeah, when we go and play Red Earth all night, <laughs> uh, we can keep this uh -huh. going. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, hey, thank you all so much for listening to the show. Uh, it's really, really, really wonderful to have you here. Excited for the next season. Yeah, absolutely. So, I almost said see you next year. I'm like, that's nothing. It's our year marker. It's our year marker. Yeah, yeah. that's true. But anyway, uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash into the cast. Uh, if backing the show impacts you negatively, financially, in any way, shape, or form, please do not back the show. But thank you all so much to the people who are doing that. If you back the show, you immediately get access to an RSS feed, which has uh, all of our Patreon bonuses uh, in there, which is pretty cool. Into the cast online, our link to everything, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, all of the above. 
But outside of that, I think that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Thank you all so much. Thank you so much. Where can people find you, Brendan? Oh, Into the Cat's Out Online is probably the best spot. Uh, but outside of that, Brendan Bigley on every social media platform. And uh, I'm at Stephen Hilger. You find me at Stephen Hilger. Oh, wow. I just said I'm at Stephen Hilger. We should go play Red Earth and maybe get some sleep. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Garbage. The online.